Welcome to Rich Conversations. Today we'll chat with Paul LeCrone. Over the month of July, we read the book Pale Blue Dot by Carl Sagan. This episode is about to take you to outer space. You can follow Paul at a penguin latte. Let's begin. All right. So I'm here with Paul LeCrone. And uh, so the last two months, we've each read the same book. And we started with Brave New World. And then last month was Walden. And this month, we did Pale Blue Dot by Carl Sagan, a space guy. Why don't you give a summary? You're good at summaries. Why don't you summarize the book? Oh, thank you. Uh, I would say, well, it's a it's a book that I would have read when I was 13, when I was 12, and I was really big into astronomy, actually. I remember my stepdad and I used to take out this telescope and just look at the stars. And actually, one of my, not one of my, my, yeah, my uncle is pretty big into astronomy, too. He actually lives in Germany. And so whenever he would visit me, whenever he would come back to the States, he's lived in Germany for like his whole life teaching English over there. And I would take out the telescope with him and we would just look at the moon and the stars. And I had this astronomy magazine and I was so convinced that I would become an astronaut. Like every 13 year old <laughs> kid like just wants to be an astronaut, right? That was me. That was, that was definitely wow. me. So yeah. if I had read this book earlier on in my life, it probably would have had a much, much bigger impact on me. I mean, not that I didn't like the book. I enjoyed I enjoyed a lot of it, but looking back on how interested I was in astronomy, it definitely would have been the book for me to read as a kid, for sure. And I really like the beginning of it, too. I mean, that's the famous part, right? Like the here we are, here's us parts as well. Yeah. I, I really like space physics mysteries but this is where my link my lingo my lingo fails me because i like stuff related to like dark matter and things we don't know yet about the structure of the universe and weird yeah. phenomena i was hoping that this book would be like that but it wasn't and okay that just wasn't that kind of book like whatever right so that's the kind of stuff about space that i'm really interested in like i can get into those kinds of wikipedia rabbit holes where you click dark matter and then you click something else related oh to dark yeah matter. Then it's like this weird phenomena that scientists haven't figured out. And then here's another weird phenomena. And I could just do that for hours. See, what I what I, I read it as, like, because it, it came out in 1994 or 97, <laughs> around there. Yeah. And so th there's so much more that we've we've done in space. I don't know in particular, but this I read it as more like a summary of space exploration, I feel like, and where it could potentially go as humans yeah. going to other planets. And then as I'm reading it, too, I can't help but think about, you know, like SpaceX and yeah. and, and NASA and Elon Musk. Yeah. And so it's, it's interesting to read it. And this was, you know, 25 years ago or so. And, and things are happening now that I'm like, I haven't been someone who's been really interested in space, but I appreciate it. And a lot of my uh, learning recently has kind of taken me into this like futuristic direction. So I was like, I got, I gotta, I gotta start catching up on space. What's yeah, happened what people, in space? <laughs> yeah, what people were thinking about space back in the '90s. I wonder what Carl Sagan would have said about 
the whole era of Elon Musk and, and SpaceX, too. Because yeah. that's what I was thinking about while I was reading this, where we are right now with space exploration. I really liked opening up the chapter one and seeing a Marcus Aurelius quote, too. I wasn't expecting that. So that really made me smile. It says, the entire Earth is but a point and the place of our own habitation, but a minute corner of it. Very much Marcus Aurelius. And yeah, it kind of piggyback, piggybacks off of what we, what we were talking about earlier in the last episode about this is the only planet we have. We got to take good care of it, take good care of each other, because that's really all that matters. Just holding ourselves up to that standard. Yeah, I thought I thought you'd appreciate that. <laughs> There's like you mentioned philosophers in there. Yeah, Not also the the greatest of light, but um, right, right. It's definitely a more hard <laughs> hard science angle. Definitely, it is much more of a hard science angle for sure. Yeah, I'm not that used to reading books by. Uh, people who work with, let's say, deductive reasoning, very logical people. Okay. I actually started reading Black Swan, too, and I had to reread sentences from that book more times than I thought just because I'm just not used to that yeah. that kind of thinking, that just very rational kind of writing as well. And I know you've yeah. read some Nicholas Taleb as well. Yeah, Antifragile. That's a, another good one. Mm. One question I had for you. When was the last time that you gazed at the stars? That's a great question. I love that question, too. Last night. Last night. So you can last see night. it. You're in I San Diego. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, you mean really stargazing? Without yeah, anything? like, like oh, real, okay. real. Okay. I'm just talking about just looking up at the stars. Like, have you had moments where you're, like, blown away? Not without any light pollution and probably not in the way that you're imagining it's tough to go out and find it's well it's also tough to just get yourself to go and create that time to go and do that because it doesn't seem like the most productive use of one's time but it is very strange to do it to just have no light around you and to just look up at the sky pitch black and the thing that always blows my mind is that those stars aren't there anymore yeah thinking about that that leads just to some just crazy mental places like <laughs> oh and what i really like too uh, that carl sagan said was that the reason why stars if i have this correctly that stars like shine and glare is because of turbulence in the air making the light look like it's bouncing off walls but it's 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 really not twinkling it's just the turbulence in the air i hope i have that right i don't want like scientists to say yeah, that I'm, like i'm wrong I don't know. <laughs> not an expert but i thought that was really cool too but yeah uh not very recently i haven't looked up at the stars in that way in a long time probably since i was much younger i've looked up at the stars in my neighborhood but not without any light around me. And I want to do that again. So I want to take this hiking trip where I just go and do that. Yeah. I, I So recently, recently um, a few friends came up to Wisconsin with me on the farm. And so two of the guys are from New York and, and the other guy's from Mexico, Mexico mm-hmm. City. And we all live in Chicago together and we, we live there and when I approached them, hey, you guys want to come up to Wisconsin on the farm, just hang out, have a campfire and stuff. And they're like, yeah, can we see the stars? Can you see the stars there? Yeah. And that was like a really big thing to them. And I was like, yeah, you can see it. 
And they're like, oh, wow, awesome. So they're really excited. And I'm only like, give or take, like 25 miles southwest of Milwaukee. So while we're in the middle of nowhere in rural Wisconsin, you can see to the northeast the light from Milwaukee. And Mm. it really astounded them that, wow, that's what light pollution looks like. And then you look west and it's dark. Mm. It's really dark. And then we saw the stars and the Big Dipper and, you know, it was just so cool. It's hard to get into complete darkness because you don't know that you're in it. You don't know mm-hmm. that you are in all of this light pollution. And then you, you kind of go out of bounds out of the city and you're still sort of in it because that's just how far it reaches too. You really got to go out of your way to just be surrounded by absolute darkness just to see all of what's above you too. Yeah, yeah that's that's wild. How The only yeah. other time I was uh, – I did this road trip by myself going out west and at one point i was i visited dinosaur national monument on the border of colorado and utah and that night i drove up to grand teton in yellowstone so it's like midnight i'm just on this highway and you know i have to stop because moose are crossing the road and it's so dark that i'm driving up because it's at night that the stars like i see all the stars from my car and at one point, I just pulled over, got outside of my car, and just looked up. And I was like, wow, I've never seen anything like this before. Because uh, that's like true darkness in the middle of a, it's like a rural road going through like yeah. Utah and Wyoming. And then when I was at Yellowstone, I was sleeping in my car. And then I just got out and just looked up, and I was like, oh, wow. It's like in your face. Like the stars are so bright. They're in your face. Yeah. And you kind of have to like tilt your head back. Like, wow. Why do you think we are so fascinated at just looking up at what's technically nothing? Because the stars aren't there. Yeah. But yet we're just so amazed by that. Is it the wonder of what is out there? Just the whole beyondness of it all. Or the, yeah, the insignificance the, of ourselves. It's very, I mean, it's the most humbling thing you could do, right? Yeah, I, can't I mean, the whole book is about humbling. humility in a way. Yeah, you could say that for sure. There's all of this stuff going on out there in the galaxies, in the universe right now that you can't and don't know about. And we think that the hustle and bustle of our day-to-day lives is the most important thing going on yeah. in the universe. Maybe yeah. in our universe, <laughs> yeah, but that's not the universe, too. And so I've never thought that it's like depressingly existential to contemplate the vastness of existence. Some people seem to get kind of down about that. A friend of mine doesn't really like that topic because it just gets too dark and existential for him. To me, it's never been that way. To me, it's just been very invigorating and and very humbling. And it reminds me of my own BS that I can get caught up in and just to take a step back as well. Because, yeah, everything that's going on in your universe is not everything that's going on in the grand vastness of existence. And to talk about those big things has just never really discouraged me in that way, which I think might be a reason why maybe people don't take as much time as they could to contemplate just how small we are. And it's kind of a cool thing to know that we're just 
not at the center of the universe. And if we were, that'd be a lot of pressure. So <laughs> thank God. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's interesting too, like how he would say that the like entertainment back in the day without all the lights and stuff was you'd go outside and you'd watch the stars and you'd yeah. watch yeah well that just reminded me of that scene from brave new world where they were up in the sky without any stimulus around and um i always forget her name the, the female character was getting all apprehensive because there wasn't any tv or entertainment around and, and the savage yeah. yeah distractions and the savage just said like that's what it's supposed to be like just look up at the stars that's it yeah it's like the first form of entertainment that i guess humans ever had <laughs> just look up you can't replace that do you do you have any friends that are like the outdoorsy type that i do go camping all the time like yeah like, i would I imagine, consider i know people that move out to colorado because they're so drawn in by mm. the natural beauty and wonder ah, of the, the I go to Colorado. yeah i really want to go to colorado yeah, I consider myself more of an outdoors person, too. Like, I don't hike or fish. I mean, no, 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 that's wrong. I hike, I love hiking, I don't fish, and I don't go camping as much as I want to. I actually, I actually used to hate doing all that stuff when I was a kid. Now I really want to. There's so many yeah. great spots to go hiking out here in, in California, and probably a lot of great spots to just stargaze for hours, for sure. I just haven't done it yet, but I really want to. Colorado also looks spectacular from what I've seen. Yeah, it's... uh. So beautiful. There's tons of spots here in America that would just make that so awesome, too. I want to go to Reykjavik, Iceland, as well. I heard Iceland is amazing, too. You know, Aura Borealis, and it doesn't get daytime. It doesn't get light outside until 9 in the morning, which is crazy. Really? Yeah. I had a friend of mine who took a little vacation to Iceland, too, and he said he travels a lot. And he said, like, if you're going to take a vacation, go to Iceland. It's awesome. I feel like Iceland... Uh recently has climbed up on the tourist rankings <laughs> better go like, soon before a lot more getting... people are traveling there yeah it seems underrated did you notice reading the book how many moby dick quotes he had uh, no i didn't were there he a lot like three or four quotes <laughs> from herman melville and moby dick i don't know carl sagan must have been like a huge huge moby dick fan hmm See, that's funny. What I what also kind of caught me off guard was he had these religious quotes, too, scattered throughout the book, but then he expressed his disdain towards, well, his, his thoughts on the religion versus science uh-huh. debate as well. And then he'll include quotes from Psalms and, and actually bits from Moby Dick, which you could say is sort of like a religious story, like a redemption story. Yeah. I've actually never read Moby Dick, so I should stop talking about that because I, I haven't read it. But, yeah, I was just caught off guard by by that. I thought this guy would just absolutely not want to include anything from the Bible as a quote in his books. But then again, he did. So, I mean, I don't know much about Carl Sagan besides reading this book and the YouTube snippets of him. So, okay. And I know a lot of people. I, yeah, I'm in the really same boat. I, I don't know too much about him. My friend really raves about this book. So it's been on my reading list for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was like, you know what? I got to I got to read this book. Yeah, um, yeah. I read I read another like space book by Chris Chris Hattonfield. Yeah, he was an uh, astronaut. Was so he the one who was in um in the space ah the the spacecraft for like a year and he was tweeting about it and sending Instagram updates about being up I, in space. I don't know. Is that the Maybe. same guy? Seems, seems like a more like uh pop culture type oh, okay. of astronaut. I must um, be thinking of somebody else. 
I don't know. It could be that. Could be that person. Uh huh. What What I thought was most fascinating about the book, and this is the reason why I think space is so important, and exploring these ideas and these these places of our imagination is the need to work collaboratively with others and to communicate with others. Like we were just saying before, our, reflecting on our own insignificance, we realize the matters here that on Earth are so trivial. And it's like, why can't we get past these? Let's get past these so we can do some awesome stuff. I think it's Let's politics, it. if you ask me. I mean, I mean, I'm not completely against politics and government, but we just I think we just tie way too much. Like, we just hold ourselves back by wanting to just point and scream and shout yeah. at anybody who has an opposing view. And but I don't do know who's right and who's wrong, but the fact that we're just, yeah. like, endlessly we can't come up with a nice solution that everybody agrees with and it's really hard to get solutions that everybody agrees with but on matters of how to keep us all alive for the next 60 80 200 years we got to come up with something i mean i know there's a lot of really good things going on in the world as well i'm not totally a, a pessimist about the progress of humanity i really do think that we're going in a pretty good direction but we've got a lot of work to do I don't have any answers, but <laughs> do, you think, uh, do you think a lot of that comes down to ego, though? Attaching personal worth, self-worth mm -hmm. to external things, labels, politics, groups, identities, and this kind of lack of perspective of how vast the universe is that, you know, these politics and groups, it's not as important yeah. as maybe individuals make them out to be it's it's tough it's a it's a huge problem as i watch myself learning more and reading more books and diving into work by carl jung and the psychoanalysts who i love studying their work and their ideas i i see myself becoming more attached to the idea that introspection and understanding yourself and what's pulling your strings and all of the labels you've given yourself over the years in unraveling those those labels and those attachments to like big ego desires too i i am starting to become under the impression that understanding yourself as an individual is is key to helping the world on a grand scale in a positive in a positive way too so it's hard to say as i'm learning all of this stuff right now who knows what i'll say 30 years from now but that's what i'm getting at too whenever i think of of that i don't know if that helped answer the question because yeah what i'm getting at is that i think it's just so important to understand yourself like if you want to change the world and this is nothing new i'm not the first person to say this gosh people have been saying this for 100 years but got to focus on yourself and it seems selfish too like oh you're just so focused on you you don't care about the world yeah you care about the world because you want to understand yourself on a deeper level you want to you want to know what you're about and what's pulling you you want to know if there's any pathological belief systems underneath the way you think and you want to unravel those and that's tough to discover too it's tough to come to like this this conclusion that you're not as enlightened <laughs> enlightened i suppose as, as you might think 
and introspection is difficult as hell, but it's it's worth it. It's worth it. That's why I think meditation is so powerful, especially in the age of constant information and news and, and when news itself has been transformed into, as far as I can tell, just drama. Like it doesn't matter whether you're left yeah. or right. Each side is just blatantly making fun of the other one. Nobody's actually yeah. coming to any conclusion. It's just drama. It's, it's well, literally do you think reality television. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Do you find the more that you reflect and you go on these introspective paths, learning about yourself and who you are, that you realize you don't know much? Yes. And it's like yeah. so humbling. Yes. And yes, it's I a constant agree. journey and working towards just becoming a better person. And the more you think about yourself and who you are and how, how you're kind of wired, you understand what your strengths are and what, what you're not as good at. So then you focus on what you're better at so you can more likely contribute to the world in a positive direction. And with that humility, you, you reach this understanding that other people know a lot of other stuff that I don't. So it's not about me and like being right. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where a lot of uh, friction comes to play in the world is everybody wants to be right and yes. no one's willing to yeah. accept or admit like, hey, I don't know, but what do you what do you think? What's your perspective? Yeah. So where are talking, you coming from? Exactly. And what you're talking about right now is reminding me of what I've been learning about from the Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. I don't know if you've ever read it, but there is a part in the Tao Te Ching where Lao Tzu is writing about what he calls what he called dullness. It's better for the Taoist to be dull. And when the when the folk, when the leader is dull, the folk are happy. And then you think, well, dull, that just, you mean stupid? Well, no, dull means willfully ignorant and humbled in the face of what you don't know. It doesn't mean an attachment to intelligence or an attachment to wisdom and, and to an attachment to wanting to be right all the time. Yeah. And part of this learning process for me with diving into introspection and books like the Tao Te Ching and psychoanalytic thought is being comfortable with surrounding yourself with like intellectual darkness. You don't know as much as you think you know, and that should be invigorating. Yeah. That's what pushes you forward. That's what keeps you moving. So in the Tao Te Ching, it talks about how the light of the Taoist isn't bright. It's humbled, and you move through the darkness of your ignorance. And I think it also depends on the translation you get to. If, if you want a really good translation of the Tao Te Ching, I highly recommend the John Minford translation. It's much more poetic and visual, and it helps you if you're a more visual thinker to think through and to imagine the ethics and the lessons that are being expressed through the book. It's much different than meditations which is very clear. This one's much more symbolic too, but the symbolic okay. representations of exactly what you're talking about, it reminds me of it precisely. It's it's that. Just being okay with not being right all the time. And who wants to be right all the time? Like omnipotence is a really it's exhausting. Place. You know how exhausting yeah. it is you to hold always that up. try yeah, to be it, right? It is exhausting. <laughs> it is. And then you just like collapse at the end of the day and you're like, oh my God. Got through that day. Nobody figured out that I was wrong about something. Whew. Oh man, that's Jeez. that's tough. It, it's it's it is exhausting, and you become like psychologically lighter once you've dropped all that pretense oh, yeah. and that agenda. 
you can go through the world as if you're floating on air and you can work on projects and you can write things and you can and it's hard as hell because it's not like you can just shut off your ego on command god i wish i could do that but meditation and introspection and just adopting that openness towards the world is just hard as hell but so important yeah well to tie it back to pale blue dot while i'm reading this you know this is a very intelligent person Mm -hmm. space scientists engineers yet they don't know everything and as a human species we don't know what we don't know but that's why that's why we constantly work to find that and to explore that and go on adventures so that we can we can constantly get better collectively, right? We don't know what we don't know. That's that's the thing to know, right? When we talk about these no no you know all those conversations, those bar philosophy conversations where you talk about like what's the meaning of knowing and how do you know what you don't know and who yeah. knows what and whose line is it or whatever. It's like it really is like that, though, but knowing what you don't know. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Do you have so, any uh, final thoughts? Yeah. Um, that's a great final thought. You don't know what you don't know. And more power to you. More power to you if you can admit that you don't know what you don't know. Because then that makes reading less boring. It makes intellectual pursuits less boring. You're more open. You're less defensive. You don't want to defend things that you attach, which is, I've got these lessons from the Tao Te Ching on my mind. That's why I keep referring back to it. Yeah, you got to be less defensive of what you hold dear to yourself, especially intellect and knowledge, too. With people who like to read and to collect information, they kind of, it's easy to build up an ego around that. I've read all these books and I know everything because I've read so many more books than you. You read books because you don't really know a whole lot about the world and you could read 200 books and still not know very much and there's so many there's yeah. infinitely more books than the 200 books you've read and you'll never or, have you know? you'll never <laughs> read them all ever no. dude is, i have a pile of library books that uh, I, I now have to i'm gonna return to the library because i'm moving to a new uh, apartment and i don't want to haul all those library books that's the that's the hardest thing to move is all these darn books they're so heavy <laughs> yeah i have the only <laughs> I have so many books now it's ridiculous. I own more books than I have articles of clothing. Yeah, my room is pretty empty. I've been keeping a pretty minimalist approach to the things that I own, and I own more books than anything else. That's gonna be a pain in the ass if I ever move somewhere too. That's why Kindles seem to be the way to go, too. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Well, Paul, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for chatting about that was uh, fun. Space. Yeah, good. Yeah, hopefully that'll be uh insightful for people who listen to my ramblings on about the universe with you as well always a pleasure dude always a pleasure thanks for listening to rich conversations again you can follow paul at a penguin latte make today a day that is out of this world